everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I am pumped to be your director of fun and games for the evening. Oh my god, the recording in progress always shocks me from Steph Zoom when she... Are we actually TikToking these? Listen, I'm real bad at editing video. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> right. I just, uh, it just, I'm always in the middle and then it, it scares me. I'm like, who is talking? I know, I'm sorry. It was That was my bad. Anyway, there is so much going on in Flyers land. It has been too long since we have been this excited to be part of the Philadelphia Flyers fan base. So we just got to get right into it and let's, we got to lead things off with, of course, the biggest deal. John Cena came back last night, everybody. He's going to main event SummerSlam. Steph's not even amused. Charlie's laughing a little. Steph, not amused. I mean, I'm, right. not, I'm not a wrestling person, but I do appreciate the John Cena entrance music. It's iconic. So, Oh, it is It is absolutely incredible. I went nuts last I night. I at least know who John Cena is, so I think that that's a really important thing yeah. for me he's, in my relationship with wrestling. He's the, uh, he's the elephant in the almond commercials or whatever the hell he does. But anyway, as you all probably know already... <laughs> As you all probably know already, Ryan Ellis is a flyer. Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers are not. We're going to get into that and so much more. So let's get right into it and lead things off with. I was about to really say the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle, and she's not here. <laughs> it's just <laughs> what I do. I'm very robotic. So let's say Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So I think that everyone here knows I don't leave my house very much. Like, I am a homebody, especially since I moved. Don't really know too many people down here. Spent a lot of time with my family. Um, I left the house on Saturday. I went kayaking. I was on a lake. Not Lake Lanier, which is both haunted and racist, but I went to the other lake, which is only just a little bit haunted. Um... And because I did that, can a lake be Nolan racist? Patrick and Phil Myers was traded for Ryan Ellis. I'm glad you called that out, Bill, because I, I was, was curious how a body of water can be racist. I was like, how is this Oh, possible? do you really want to know about the history of Lake no, Lanier? They... No, I want to move past it. We have too much to do today. <laughs> Steph, Not we'll do a week. whole hyperbole at some point about the Perfect. Yeah. 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 yeah, like Lake Lanier is racist and haunted. That's all you need to know. Do not fuck with Lake Lanier. Don't go there. Go to Lake Altoona instead. Uh, I would never fuck with any lake. They're notorious for serpents. Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> You're not wrong. Whoever was talking, just pick it back up. I... It was me, and I went kayaking, and that's why the Flyers made a trade. One of the best trades that this organization has seen in maybe a decade. I was, uh, you know, I was thinking about that last night. Like, um, I, uh, Gudis for Niskanen, real good. Was it, though? Like, it was fine. I, I remember mean, thinking, not, okay, this is fine. It ended it's up being real good. It Listen, ended up being real good. I, at yeah. the time, there was legitimate concern that Matt Niskanen might be cooked. So there wasn't that same, like, hell yeah feeling after the trade. It was like, oh, you know, Gudis is a pretty good defenseman, and Niskanen had a bad year last year, and the year before wasn't even that good aside from being in the playoffs. So it played out really well for the Flyers. This one feels like a in-the-moment win, which I feel like the Flyers have not had trade-wise in a long time. This is, like, immediate. There's no way that you can look at this trade and be like, this doesn't make the team better. Like, 
every single way, every angle, every different colored sunglasses you put on, rosy or otherwise, you look at this trade and you're like, this is a, this is a very good trade. This makes the Flyers better. Every way you look at it, this makes the Flyers better. Fucking Ryan Ellis is a Flyers. Yeah, like, we've been talking about this for a little while, and, I, like, we also, I thought, you know, they were going to take a shot at guys like Ryan Ellis, but ultimately end up with another Niskanen and Braun sort of thing. Because, like, that's what happens a lot. You try to get star players, and they're tough to come by. If you're a Sixers fan, you know this. But, goddamn, they actually did it, and that really excites me. All right, let's throw it over to the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. I'd like to point out, Bill, that possibly in all of the shows I've ever done with you, I've never heard a, hey, how are you guys doing? That's great. I've never heard it as excited as you just did for this show. That was, was as this? animated an intro as I have ever heard from you. When was the, like, Charlie, we've been doing this since, what, like 2016? When, um, when should I have been this excited? It's a reasonable point. <laughs> Like what L- were things good? <laughs> like I mean, I, ironically, ironically, maybe when they won the lottery for Nolan Patrick. Yeah, the, 20, <laughs> the twenty seventeen draft. That's it. Like, and hey, it finally paid off, fam. It finally paid off. <laughs> All right, and uh, from Fly Purbly, we have Steve Jaco. And I don't even know what to say. I'm just, I'm just happy. I'm never happy as a Flyers fan. I've been podcasting since Yarmir Yager spent his year in a Flyers jersey, and there's been nothing to be happy about. It's just, it's nice to smile for once while doing one of these. It's, it, it's so nice to see, like, you know, we've talked. Okay, they finally turned a corner. They're finally trying to win. Last year, huge step back, and now it's wow. They've identified the team problems, and they are addressing them in the way necessary, getting the best possible players to fill those needs. It's awesome. So I, w- I just want to lead off Which and is say- like, that's the most... I'm sorry, I have to cut you off. That's the best part. These aren't... This, this isn't just, like, some guy. It's Ryan Ellis. And he's got an they orange They didn't just pick beard. up Bruno Gervais. It was Ryan Ellis. Bruno, Bruno fucking Gervais. Gervais. God damn that guy. God damn him. He's, we should, I want to interview him one day. Um, so I got to, I just got to lead off. And, you know, even la- up to last show, I have been very critical of one Chuck Fletcher. And I just want to say kudos to the Flyers general manager because he made a good move and restored some of my summer, 19, uh, summer 2019 confidence that I had in him. Uh, I'm really happy that they're not just paying lip service to last season being unacceptable, like they call something unacceptable and then, you know, they go about accepting it, uh, and not just crossing their fingers that, like, COVID was the team's big issue last year. Like, sure, if Carter Hart is just an average goalie, it hides a lot of their issues, they're probably much better than what we saw, and maybe it really was all pandemic-related. But it's awesome that they see what we see. It's like when AMAC got bought out and Hack got yeah. fired and Laterra got waived and it was validating. Like, I'm not and we're not insane. I feel that way again. Like, okay, you see it too. So I'd like to retract. 
I'm going to say about 50% of my criticism of Fletcher since the deadline. Uh, it appears he really was formulating a plan. There is only so much you can do in a flat cap. There's only so much you can do when the entire league doesn't know what their situation is going to be because of the expansion draft and all that. So I will retract 50% of my criticism of Chuck Fletcher. Is that fair? I think that's fair. That's about where I'm at. And like, Bill, I was saying to you just before we started recording, like I was going into this week expecting nothing. I was expecting just like a dull week where I maybe recorded like one or two podcasts at max. And it's like, no, let's record a podcast every damn day now. Yeah. No, like when, when we did the, uh, when we, uh, you know, I set up a whole segment last week to do the protection lists and then we looked at it and we're like, all right, so there's only one right answer here. And then, like, I got my friends texting me, like, oh, are they going to do anything before the freeze? And I'm just like, I don't think so. Like, they have their seven guys, their seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie. They kind of just got to wait till after expansion because this is pretty much set. Well, nope. They traded two of the guys on that, like, pretty set list and set this whole thing in motion. And now we're hearing reports of more stuff that we'll get into later. But uh, first, I just want to go back in time a little bit. Man, moving on from Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick, and listen, I've been as critical of those two as anybody on the team, but this really feels like the beginning of another era. Like, Patrick's draft night, we just said, that's probably still the high point of my career. Like, that night was amazing. And, like, Hextall signing Myers September 2015, that's the era all of our brands were kind of built on. Like, we started this thing in the, oh, man, yeah, Sanheim and Myers, Provorov, Ghost, like, Haig. That, that's what this thing's about, and now we're not going to have a lot of those guys anymore, it seems, from these reports. So, this is kind of crazy right now that we're turning the page and we're doing it in such a huge way. Like, the second overall pick in 2017 in that crown jewel, Ron Hextall, undrafted free agent defenseman with a ton of measurables... And they've traded those chips in for Ryan Ellis. How are we feeling just about this change of direction? Well, this is literally what everybody, you know, who's been screaming at the Flyers for the past, like, five years has wanted, is to trade some of these young assets for a verified, bona fide NHLer today. I, I can't believe they not only did that, but they did it at the price they did, and they didn't pay for, they didn't give up any draft picks. I, I can't believe they didn't give up a draft pick. Yeah, I think the the big thing about this trade that surprised me, um, not not even really that they made it because you you knew they were looking for a top pair defenseman. You knew that was the you know as much as Fletcher kind of tried to poo poo over the last couple weeks that like well it's a team defense problem. It's not the blue line. Well, yeah, but they need a blue liner. Like they need somebody to step in for where you didn't replace Matt Niskanen when he retired. But the thing about this trade that really really you know is is fascinating and also it speaks to the fact that maybe these guys had more trade value than we thought. Like Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick both had awful seasons, like really, really bad seasons. And you would presumably think like you're selling low on them. I don't think getting Ryan Ellis is selling low on them. You know what I mean? Like it would be, it would have been a different story if, you know, one or both of them had had just decent seasons, but they basically, they traded away two guys who are coming off bad years and turned him into a top pair borderline number one defenseman. And I guess I just assumed that they would have to give up more than just this. But they didn't. I mean, and 
like props to Chuck Fletcher. Like the fact that the fact that they didn't have to include even a first round pick, which I assume I really figured that whatever whatever trade they made, if they ended up making a trade for a top pair defenseman, it was a prerequisite that first that first round pick was going to be in the trade. And the fact that it's not that just opens up so many other doors for the rest of the offseason because now they still have it. And now, I mean, yeah, they could make the pick, whatever. But if they want to make a trade for a center, if they want to make a trade for a scoring winger, like they have that pick, that pick is there, and they could use it. If they need to use that in like some, you know, complex maneuvering with Seattle to get them to take the player they want and also get another player back that can help them, it's there. They have that, you know, they can still fire that bullet. And I did not think that they were going to be able to execute a top pair of defenseman trade without spending that bullet. Yeah, the yeah fa- I completely agree. I looked at this trade, again, while kayaking, um, and and the original thought was, that's nothing. Like, they gave up nothing for Ryan Ellis. And now, logically, I know, not nothing emotionally I know not nothing and you have to look at these prospects as if you were Nashville like these are two young guys in their 20s and who knows what they could be outside of a COVID season so yeah of course there's value there but the the chances of Nolan Patrick having a future with the Flyers was very very low obviously zero percent right now (laughs) the chances of Phil Myers having a future with the Flyers was significantly higher than Nolan Patrick, but he was one of their youths that had a lot of trade value and had NHL experience. Now, for me personally, I hated the season that he had, and I hadn't seen a lot from him in the season before either, so I was totally comfortable parting ways with Phil Myers. The fact that that's all it took, like that was it, just those two guys. I'm astounded. I'm... I'm like did somebody have to call the police after this happened like there was a robbery because how how i don't understand no like you you guys have heard me going on for you know four months now ah fuck it just leave phil myers unprotected (laughs) why would they take a bad player like he stinks but this goes back but but this goes back to what i was always responding to you with when you would say that is Maybe he's a bad player. Maybe, I, I, I'm higher on Phil Myers. Who I think he will eventually settle in probably as like a good number four. Like when he eventually reaches his, you know, this is what he's going to be kind of thing. But the point I always threw back to you is that even if he stinks, he the trade value he has around the league makes it stupid to leave him unprotected because you can get something for him, which they just did. Oh, I mean, a right shot defenseman who can skate no matter how bad he actually is, will always have value. Like, look at what look at what they think they can get for fucking Rasmus Ristolainen still. Who, like, no, I'm the last guy that. who thinks he might be <laughs> a good fit. <laughs> but, like, everyone says he's terrible. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we can get a first-round pick for him or something. Like, yeah, you think so? <laughs> like, I don't... But, so, yeah, he'll always have value. Um... But I did want to bring it back to, I want to talk about just Ellis here. So, last three years, he's over half a point a game. He's got nearly a 53 Corsi 4 percentage for his uh, career. He's got 11 points in his last 16 playoff games, which, you know, clutch gene, hashtag. 
Uh, he'll be 31 in January, obviously. Uh, he's, he's not young. He's not a young guy, and he's missed 41 games due to injury over the last two years. Uh, Corey Perry elbowed him in the head at the 2020 Winter Classic, and he was out from New Year's Day uh, till February 21. It was just a real ugly, like, forearm shiver to his face, basically. Yeah. Uh, and he missed about a month last season. All I could find was upper body injury. Is it shoulder? Shoulder it was shoulder? Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, shoulder. That's a running theme. We'll get into that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> but these don't, uh, like, shoulder, It you know, it's a contact sport and everything, but... You look at the games missed, and it's a little concerning, but then you look into what actually happened, and it's not like he's hurt the same knee three times. Uh, it's it's kind of like Corey Perry elbowed him in the head. You're going to miss some fucking games. Yeah. The guy's a goon. Yeah, like, I don't... I'm not all that concerned, but we're talking about what the Flyers gave up, and Ryan Ellis, if he's healthy, if all is well, plays 23 minutes a night plays 19 minutes a night at even strength, over two minutes on each of the uh, special teams units. He is an all-around two-way player capable of playing top pair minutes, which is exactly what the Flyers need to put with Ivan Provorov. What's our optimism level that this actually works? Like, I mean, I'm, how- pretty, I'm pretty optimistic because I believe in the player. Like, yeah. I, I really think Ryan Ellis is a good player. Um, he's been a good player for a long time. Like, it's funny, he's the kind of guy where, you know, there's a, at least before this past season, because he did have a down year this past year, I think a lot of that was probably the fact that he was playing through injury, and then he probably came back a little bit early from his surgery and injuries, that played into why it was a little bit more of a mediocre year for him, but he's one of those guys where, like, traditionalist eye testers really like, and then the stats also really like. Like, I went back through looking at, um, his how he graded out by goals above replacement um, via uh, Evolving Hockey's model, their public model they have. Over the past 10 years, Ryan Ellis has the third most goals above replacement of any defenseman in hockey. Like, huh. this is this is a really, really good defenseman who probably was underrated for quite a while because he played behind P.K. Subban and Roman Yossi. And I don't think people quite realize, because this, this goes back to the same thing with Matias Ekholm. I don't think people quite realize that, like, those Nashville teams basically had four number one defensemen. Or, or like, at the very least, four top pair defensemen. Like, that's why they got to the cup final that year, because their blue line core was unreal. They were all incredible in their prime studs. And Ryan Ellis was one of them. And he still continued to be one of them, really, up until this past year. So, I believe in the player. That said, I mean, there's risk here. There absolutely is risk here, 100%. He's 30 years old, so he's past his age-related prime. He's under contract for six more seasons. So, you know, if he starts falling off a cliff, granted the cap hit at 6.25 is reasonable, but, you know, if he starts slowing down, that could look bad. Um, You know, and then there's the injuries. He he has gotten injured, you know, quite a lot over the last two years. That probably played into why Nashville was willing to move him. You know, a little bit worried about how he might age, getting banged up so much. He's not the biggest guy. He's like 5'10". Um, but the, the, the response I kind of have to those critiques, and while they're absolutely valid, is that any defenseman that fit the bill for what the Flyers want was going to come with risks. Like, Seth Jones was going to come with the risk of his advanced metrics blow, and maybe he's just not that good, and we're going to pay him $9.5 million a year to be not that good for seven more years after trading for him. Dougie Hamilton is going to get a massive contract, 
absolutely massive contract. And there was a question of, is he the right personality fit for this market? You know, is he just going to be miserable here because the fans are going to ride him constantly because he's a risk-taking offensive defenseman and people who are annoying hate that if some of his turnovers lead to goals against. Um, I wondered if he was if he was going to be happy here and if that was going to mess with, you know, how well he could possibly play. Matt Dumba, is he even a first-pair defenseman? Like, every single defenseman out there that fit the bill of right-handed shooting guy who was plausibly available was going to come with risks. Ryan Ellis comes with risks, but the reward is huge. He's got a reasonable cap hit. He's been great for a long time. I, I, another thing I like about him is he's he's apparently a really high character guy in terms of like being a vocal leader in the locker room. I think the locker room will benefit from his presence. You know, he's the kind of guy where, you know, I, I've heard this from a couple of people. He's the kind of guy where if like the team plays like shit in a game, he's not afraid to call like to call it out. You know, there's there's that chemo team in an element to him where you know three or four times a year, chemo team and it would get up in front of the media after like a four one loss and just be like. That was embarrassing. I am embarrassed to be on this team. We all should be embarrassed. And you know that five minutes before, he said that to everyone in the locker room. And I think, like, Ryan Ellis might be able to provide something like that to to the Flyers locker room. And I'm not saying the Flyers locker room is, you know, a terrible place by any means, but I do think they could stand for a little bit more accountability, and I think Ryan Ellis can bring that. And they could stand for just a little bit more. He hasn't won a cup, but he's been there. He's been on playoff runs. I don't think... Like, I don't think you need to go get Duncan Keith just because he has three rings, even if he can't play. But I do think it's important to have guys who know what it takes. And for the most part, this is a locker room full of guys who have no fucking clue what it takes. Not because they're not competitors, not because they're not good players, just because they've never done it. It's hard to know how to do something you've never done before. Like, if I'm driving somewhere I've never been, I'm getting lost without a GPS. That, you know, (laughs) even if it's the heritage around the block, there's a good chance I forget how to get there sometimes. But, like, I do think it's important to have guys like that, and he has the added benefit of, like, as far as we know, still being able to play. Uh, We're talking about risk, and I want to put this out because I know, like, if Nolan Patrick scores 22 goals this year everyone's going to be like, oh, we did it again. Here's the thing. To make a trade, you have to give something up. And it's not, in this situation, the Flyers are clearly trying to win a Stanley Cup. That is the goal. You add Ryan Ellis to your first pair because you're like, oh, we need a top pair defenseman. Here you go. Boom, problem solved. It's not about what the guys they gave up do. Unless, like, yes, if, if... fucking Phil Myers wins the Norris, that's going to sting. I don't see that happening, though. (laughs) But it's not about what the guys you gave up do. It's about what the guy you got does for you. And Ryan Ellis, I can't imagine those two combined are going to have the impact on their teams that Ellis will hear. Like, I don't want to hear that this is another Justin Williams situation. Like, yes, those things hurt, but when you're trying to win a cup, you have to make these sacrifices. Like, the people in Pittsburgh who were like, oh, we have no assets left. Get the fuck over it. You've been going for it for a decade. You won three cups, two in a row. Like, this is what happens. I, I would, I, I'm fine with these guys turning out as long as Ellis delivers on his end. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I just can't get over the value of the straight. I can't get over it. I can't believe that's all they gave up. And, you know, Patrick, again, who knew if he was coming back at all? 
at this point. He really just has not been a fit for this team in any way, shape, or form. I hope he can find his game wherever he is, but not as, you know, not too much. I don't want to regret <laughs> it, but like, I you know, I make this trade all day, every day. Yeah, listen, for me personally, I believe that Nolan Patrick will be a solid NHL player. It's clearly not going to be here. Um, I was happy if it was Nashville because Nashville's four hours away. I'm even happier that it's Vegas because the glitters and now I can like them for another year. <laughs> um, I don't, but at the end of the day, I don't care. This was amazing value for Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers. Like amazing. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it with the, with the, the pieces they gave up and again, I, I like Phil Myers. I think Phil Myers is going to have a bounce back year, you know, in comparison to what he delivered this year. With regards to Phil Myers, even though I like Phil Myers and I think he's going to be a good defenseman, I don't think he is ever going to be as good as Ryan Ellis is right now. Like, I, I just, I don't see that as a plausible outcome. You know, maybe last, you know, last winter, I was like, I, I probably still didn't think it was a plausible outcome, but at least it, it seemed possible. It, it wasn't a likely outcome, but it's like, yeah, you know, maybe he turns into a really good number two who uh, who can play alongside a number one and, you know, provide that physical presence and be huge and skate extremely well and provide some offense. Like, that was a possible outcome to me. Now it's like he's probably a second-pair guy, and maybe if the hockey IQ really just holds him back, he's a third-pair guy who just survives on his athleticism. So you're trading away in the big piece – you're trading away a guy who is, in my mind, clearly worse than the guy you got. Then you get to Nolan Patrick. And the thing with Nolan Patrick is, and I said this, I, I went on a radio show this weekend, and I basically made this point about Nolan Patrick, is that he might figure it out in Vegas. It's possible. Like, he's going to play for a team that's run by Kelly McCrimmon, who coached him in Brandon, so he'll probably feel more comfortable there. I do think there was, there was an element with Nolan Patrick of, he just kind of wanted a fresh start somewhere. And I think that's fair. You know, he's went through a lot with the migraines, with injuries, with surgeries. You know, I just think, you know, there might have been a feeling that, hey, maybe it'll work for me somewhere else. And it very well might. You know, one thing that really I think helps him in Vegas is that the way Vegas plays, their their style of play, it doesn't put a lot of um, responsibilities on the centers. They really lean on their wings to carry play. Um, so they don't have a lot of centers. Nolan Patrick is going to be one of their centers, and it could actually be a really good stylistic fit for him because he has played, you know, at least so far in his career, he's played a more passive style. So maybe you don't force him to do as much, and then maybe almost counterintuitively by not forcing him to do as much, then he starts feeling more comfortable to do more because he just has more confidence in his game. That said, I don't think he was going to figure it out in Philly. So my thing is like, even if Nolan Patrick in Vegas becomes like a good second line center, I'm not going to be crushed about that from a Flyers perspective because I don't think it would have happened here. I just don't think it was going to happen here. And at some point, you know, guys maybe need a change of scenery. And I think that's what it boiled down to with Nolan Patrick. You know, include him in the trade, you know, get a big piece back for him. The Flyers did a good job salvaging as much value as they could out of a situation that just didn't seem to be working. But even if Nolan Patrick pans out, I mean, obviously, if he pans out, be like a superstar. That's one thing. But I don't think that's going to happen. His he ceiling pans- was never superstar. Yeah. Like, if, like he, if, if, that if he pans happens- out to be like a 40, 50 point player, yeah. like, great. But I don't think it was going to happen in Philly. 
like even at his best, I was thinking like second line center for Nolan Patrick. I mean, I, I there was there was a time I thought he could be a first a first line center, but that line that time isn't now. <laughs> I mean, like you want like labels. Vegas was using Chandler Stevenson as a first line center, so exactly, yeah, like they like, is that even a hockey player? I mean, that's, I don't even know. Come on. Well, so, like, for me, yeah, a big thing is a, a big thing is not only did you get great value, but you still have some assets to trade and have fun with this week. You've got that first round pick and you've got Morgan Frost still. Yeah, they have Morgan Frost. They have, you know, from what we're hearing, they might have JVR after after Wednesday. Like they still have. All the assets they need to, like, kind of continue to fix the problems and improve this team. So, again, I'm just really excited about the direction this team is going in. Um, And I'll tell you what else. I'm just really – I love this quote. Like, first, all the quotes about about Ryan Ellis are just giving me major team and in flashbacks when they acquired him. Um, Like, I'm just – I'm feeling very similar. Uh, you know, obviously Nashville defenseman and all that, but just just the things they're saying about him. Excellent two-way guy, great passer, all that stuff that they said about Kimo Tiemann. And, and now this quote uh, from Fletcher that just, it's exactly what I wanted to hear. Uh, we acquired one of the premier defensemen in the National Hockey League and a player that we feel fits the needs of our team quite well in terms of his overall two-way game, his ability to move the puck, which is an area I thought we struggled in a lot last year. I think there was a lot of focus on the fact that we didn't defend as well, but to me, we defended too much. If we move the puck cleaner and more quickly out of our defensive zone, we won't have to defend as much. Ryan is a good defender, but I think we'll have the ability to... to transition the puck better and get up the ice. He's a pretty elite defenseman in terms of the transition game. Oh my God, are the Flyers run by adults who understand hockey? I didn't think that was the case. Well, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> I like This is exactly what I wanted to hear. I am elated to hear these things. Uh, it's... Like, this is what I would say. This is what we would say, not what a hockey man would say who decided to give Vegas two players instead of one. Like... This is actually pretty exciting. Oh, I'm, I'm super hyped. This is everything I want to hear. It, it, it almost seems too perfect in a lot of ways because this is the guy, like, Bill, we were talking a couple months ago about having a, a piss and vinegar guy to flip over a table when they lost a game. Like, this guy will flip over a table if they lose a game. That's what I want. And he's the right top-pairing, right-handed, right-side defenseman. I mean, come on, man. I mean, look. I can't believe that they did it. Like, I yeah. just still am in... Aw, like they, the, the Flyers, our, our Flyers did this. Bill, I mean, this sort of plays plays back into, I think, conversations we've had in the, you know, in the past year, you know, particularly as things really started going off the rails with regards to your lack of faith in Chuck Fletcher. And, I mean, I think it's it's fair in this, especially in the way this past season played out, you know, in, in the fact, you know, his inactivity, the, the Eric Gustafson signing, like I'm far from saying that Chuck Fletcher is a perfect GM, but I think one of the reasons why, like I wasn't out on him as someone who could possibly, I mean, not definitely, but possibly fix this is that I do think, I think he's a more forward thinking guy in terms of how he wants to build a team than people give him credit for. Like, I, I think he, one of the things with, with Fletcher is that, like, I do believe that he, he has more in common 
with like the not like I'm not, and I'm certainly not saying that he's like all about the stats, but he has more in common with the way that group thinks about what needs to happen with a team than I think that group even realizes. Like one of the things with with Fletcher that I wonder is, and this this deal goes a long way towards quelling that was that like is he the kind of guy who kind of feels like he's got to win a trade to do it? Like was he is he a little bit too hesitant to do a trade? And obviously he won this trade. My point is is like I was wondering if there was it was a little bit more conservative than the Flyers maybe you know need at this time. Yeah. This trade is not a conservative trade. I think he won this trade, but this is not a conservative trade. I mean, you're giving up a six foot five, twenty four year old defenseman on a very you know reasonable contract, and you're giving up a second overall pick. Like both of those guys plausibly could blow up and make him look like a moron. But he put himself out there and made this deal, and on paper it looks real good. So I I think you know there's there is elements to the way Chuck Fletcher thinks about building a hockey team, and again I don't agree with all of them, but there's a lot of elements to it that. I feel like we're the right thing for the Flyers, and it was nice in this trade that he kind of went out there and sort of proved it. Does he have a checklist like Pierre? Like Pierre, yes. Oh, that stupid checklist. Uh, oh, God. I lo- just, I, we're going to break, but just like two elite centers, elite goalie, elite puck-moving defenseman, elite defensive defenseman. Like, yeah, have a bunch of great players. Great fucking job, Pierre. You're an expert. <laughs> Like, so excited for him. Well, with do you the think Senators. that his so list also includes ideal places where they've played? Oh, we need at least two people who have come from Kamloops. Oh, you need you need a couple of Western rednecks to really bring the team together because they're the fun guys. You need a couple of uh, city folk from Toronto so we know how to go out to dinner and what fucking fork to eat with. Uh, we we need one foreigner because you, you, you know, we need to talk to the other foreigners. So that's that's <laughs> the translator. They, they don't have countries; they're just all foreigners. The Swedish, the Finns, the Russians—they're all just foreigners. All right, we're gonna. <laughs> I'm, we're going to take a break. Uh, Charlie's got to go real soon, but we're going to talk about protection lists and some uh, some rumors and stuff. We'll be right back. All right, fam, we are back. And uh, like I said, last week we went over the protection list and said, yeah, this is pretty much it. These, these are the guys they're going to protect. And Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers are on that list. Well, now they're gone. Uh, Ryan Ellis fills that void, and so we have a protection list of Claude Giroux and Kevin Hayes. Obviously, they have no moves. And then on top of that, we have Couturier, TK, Lawton, Limblom, and Nicholas Albay-Cubell to round out the forward group. And then uh, Provy, Sanheim, Ellis, and then Hart on the back end. Big, big shock here. We talked about NAK potentially last week. Um, big shock here that they didn't actually just protect JVR to kind of force to kind of force the hand of Seattle to take uh, Jake Voracek? Well, I think I think a lot of it boils down to I understand where you're coming from. It's like if we if we protect JVR, then they're more likely to take Voracek. This was sort of lost in the shuffle of Saturday for me because obviously they make the Ryan Ellis trade and it's like, well, that's what I'm focusing on. Um, I had heard earlier in the afternoon that people around the Flyers thought that Seattle was going to take all by Cubell. And then Elliot Friedman, I believe on Sunday, reported the same thing in his his column. So it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure they thought that all by Cubell was getting taken. And I think this plays into exactly what you're saying, where 
you know, if Nick Albay-Cubell, it's not even that Nick Albay-Cubell is this amazing player. Like, obviously, he had a really bad year last year. I still like the player. I like the talent because I think back to what he was in the AHL and then what he was in his rookie season with the Flyers. But he was real bad last year. And if that's him, then he's not a good player. He shouldn't be on the NHL team. I think he can bounce back. But losing him to Seattle wouldn't be devastating because you're losing this great player. It would be devastating in a sense because it doesn't help the Flyers at all in terms of clearing up cap space to make the moves that they still want to make. So you protect him, and then suddenly it's, you know, then you've got JVR, who I don't think they want to lose, but I don't think, I mean, if they lose him, I don't think they'd be crushed because it would open up space. Um, Voracek, who I think is their top choice to jettison, if possible, in the the interest of clearing up space. And then they have Shane Gossespierre, who... I mean, I don't know if Seattle would take him, but he's also an option of, you know, somebody who they could trade to clear up space, especially if they're looking to to add another defenseman more on, like, the defensive side, which I do think they ideally would like to do to get Sanheim a partner. So you, you put those three guys out there as the clear best players available. Beyond them, I mean, who else is there? You have Justin Braun and Robert Haig. That's pretty much it. Unless, the, unless Seattle just decides they're going to punt the Flyers as an option and take like a Connor Bunneman or take a pending UFA just to say they took a player from the Flyers so they don't have to take on a big contract. So I think that like protecting NAK was big because it took a little bit of leverage away from Ron Francis in the sense that Ron Francis can't just go to, you know, when the Flyers are trying to work out some sort of side deal with them, Ron Francis just can't just go to them and be like, well, we like Nick Albe Cubell. We've liked him for a while. We can just take him unless you give us a first round pick and a prospect for you to do what what you for us to do what you want us to do. This just takes one more piece out of the mix in a way that like JVR, worst case scenario, they take JVR and the Flyers are like, well, it sucks. JVR is a good player, but we have seven million dollars of cash space we didn't have yesterday. So I think that was the main reason why Albe Cubell was the seventh forward protected, not because they secretly think Nick Albe Cubell is this great player. Yeah, I was not necessarily surprised nor shocked. Just it was something that I made note of. Like, oh, okay, they protected NAK. Cool. Well, that's as far as my thought process went. Like, who else were you going to protect with that spot? We know that they're trying to clear up cap space. So here are two options. Seattle, if you don't like Voracek, here is a very polite JVR from New Jersey. If they don't like JVR, well, here is a Bruce Springsteen loving Czech man. Please take a Jake Voracek. Like it's, they've got their options from the Flyers. And I think that obviously those are the two best ones. Yeah, I was like JVR. I kind of wanted to preserve as an asset because like he's only got two years left. If he were to hit the free agent market right now, he'd get more than two years, 14 million. Like he probably would. Well, uh, even in, uh, he I mean, probably get. He, he might get that. Nobody it, it, wants term. That's it, it, the, it's, like it's the tough. two years. Yeah, it's real tough just because of the stagnant cap. Yeah. I don't think. I think at the very least he would get close to that. If I mean maybe if he gets into a bidding war, but he would get close. I don't. I don't think it's a bad contract anymore. No, and you'd have to give him to offset the lower cap hit, you'd have to give him more term and nobody wants to hand out term right now. Chuck Fletcher told us that at the trade deadline. Uh, so I kind of wanted to preserve JVR as more of a trade asset. Cause I think you can get something for him, but in exposing him 
you preserve other assets. Like Charlie said, they don't have to tell Seattle, like, hey, here's our first-round pick in Morgan Frost so that you give us the privilege of freeing up Jake Voracek from us. Like, you don't have to do that now. Uh, So... While it exposes one asset, it preserves another. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, Before we move on, some other notable exposures, like Carrie Price, Gabe Landeskog is an unprotected UFA. Do we, anyone have any uh, thoughts about any of those guys before Charlie has to run? I'm so eager to talk about There's a lot of really fascinating, sorry, Steve, I cut you off. A lot of really fascinating stuff coming out about Carrie Price and that. Like I said last week, um, they're going to just claim all their players are injured. Well, he's got knee issues. You got to watch out. Apparently Seattle is really looking into it and they're very interested. Just do it. Just do it. Kraken. Come on. Like, I feel like Montreal galaxy brain the shit out of this. Well, apparently I think it was according to, I think Sarah Valley was the one who reported this. There's a lot of reports. I apologize if I'm sourcing incorrectly who actually reported this, but there was a report that price was the one who came to Montreal to suggest waiving his no move to um you know to to basically protect Jake Allen because Price thinks that he's going to miss time to start next season because of some type of surgery he's going to need and his thing is I don't want our whole team to be a mess because I can't play and we lost Jake Allen in expansion. So that was that that's interesting. The the gamble obviously is that he did, you know he gets taken. That said, I mean it look it would be it would be wild if Carey Price was taken and left Montreal because he just strikes me as like a going to finish out his career in Montreal type of player. Obviously, he's coming off the great playoff run. That said, if he gets taken, like it's not the worst thing for Montreal. No. It really isn't. That's not a good contract. So it's kind of a win-win for them. It's like if he doesn't get taken, that means they protected Jake Allen, who approved – uh, Seattle was probably going to take, and if he does get taken, well, then you just cleared up a ton of cash. It's like from a, from a sentiment from a sentimental standpoint, it would suck because I think Price, you know, has a real connection with that market, and he's one of those guys who probably should finish his career in, in Montreal. But for Montreal, to me, like this is kind of a win-win for them. Yeah. And like Seattle could be rolling with a, a goalie tandem of Carey Price and Braden Holtby. That's not bad for an expansion team. I mean, I think Seattle like. My guess is that Seattle right now, most of the analysis they're doing about Carey Price is less about Carey Price the player and more about how much money they can make from marketing Carey Price the person. Like that, I suspect, is what they're they're looking into is more like, okay, we know we're going to overpay him you know, for for what he is in terms of cap hit. And there is a risk element in terms of what he's going to be because the last couple of regular seasons, he hasn't been that good. But how much money are we going to make making him the face of the franchise? And what can that do to our revenue stream? Like that to me is what I suspect they're looking into because if they're just looking at him as a player, it doesn't make much sense to, to take him unless you're convinced that he's going to be the guy from the last two playoff runs. And if he needs surgery this summer, then he really might not be the guy from the last two playoff runs. And yeah, that's, that's like... Dig that, one superstar name. Yeah, that, oh, it's huge. Yeah, that thinking, though, always kills me because, like, you know what the best marketing is? Winning. Yeah, true. I'd just rather put a winning team on the ice and have people want to come down and see them because they're good, not because they like the fucking car commercials this guy's in or what it like. I know they do a lot of community outreach. It's not just that shit. I'm just saying, like, nobody actually cares about that. They want to watch a it's good team. It's also a lot of car commercials. Like, they want to watch a good team, and that's, but that's he's also, really it. 
He's also arguably one of the best goalies of the game. I know he had it down regular season, but, you know, he's Carey Price. Yeah, I just, like, you know, he's hurt now, and uh, he's old, and you're paying him $10.5 million, allegedly. which is a fuck ton of mo- he is money. allegedly hurt. Real well, those quick, old knees just aren't as good as they used to be. Real quick, this Vegas, the Vegas expansion protection list, because I wanted to compare it to the Flyers' uh, protection list this year, and, man, like, this team is so much better off. Uh, fucking Giroux, Jake, Couturier, Braden, Shen, Wayne Simmons. All right. Scott Lawton, Valtteri, Philpola, Ghost, Gudis, Manning, Stolars. How? How? How is that the team that they decided to protect last time? Like, that is fucking insane. Brandon Manning. We lived through a lot. Was protected by your Philadelphia Flyers. That happened. We have seen some shit. Charlie's red hair alone qualifies him more to be protected than Brandon Manning. <laughs> How do they keep finding these guys? Like, is Ryan Ellis at the top of their list because he's great or because his beard is the same color as their jersey? Like, well, how does this keep happening? I, it's honestly stunning at this I love point. It. Right, do we have it. do we have time to talk about the Tarasenko report? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to leave at 110, so I got time. Okay. All right, so I have to leave at one. Oops, forgot. Okay. Well, the report came out from uh, our pals over at Crossing Broad uh, that there's potentially. What did I just say? Potentially, potentially, potentially. Is there a yeah, W in I'm there? Listen, we're doing our best. I put like eventually and potentially together. <laughs> I think there is potentially a deal in place uh, between the Blues, Flyers, and Seattle Kraken. That would end up with uh, somehow Tarasenko is a Philadelphia Flyer, Jake going in a trade, and I suppose being flipped to St. Louis. Is that how it's going to work? I think that's that's. The, and then that's the Seattle ending up drafting in the expansion draft, Robert Haig, and we trade them like a second or third round pick. I believe. How that's is the this concept. real? So the, the, here's here's the what I've sort of gathered. I absolutely, I absolutely think the Flyers are are in on Tarasenko. Like I believe that is, and which which I mean, we talked about it last show. Like why wouldn't they be? It just makes sense. I don't doubt. Like I believe the Flyers are going to get spicy in the expansion. I think this whole offseason is going to be spicy. But I think like I I am not in any way, shape, or form expecting the expansion draft to play out where. Seattle just takes a flyer and that's it. Like it's just uncomplicated. Like oh, they took they took James Van Reems. Like that's all. Whatever. No no sweetener. Nothing. Like I think there's going to be some complexity to what the Flyers do with Seattle because I just think it's an opportunity for them to clear space. They know it. It's there's there's a real chance that they can get complex with what they do. My thing is that I just don't think anything is set in stone yet. Like okay. like I just. I don't doubt that something like this may have been thrown around or may be being thrown around, but there's so many moving parts still with the offers that are on the table from other teams, the offers that the Flyers are throwing out there, the ideas that are being thrown out there from everyone that, like, I just, I'm not sure I buy that, like, this is just going to happen as is. Like, I, I just... I think something's going to happen. I think there's going to be some cool stuff going on with the Flyers in Seattle, but I just don't think that any that like anything is locked in yet. I think there's a lot of talking going on. And I mean, I'm certainly not saying that this report is is incorrect in its entirety. I just don't think anything is set in stone yet. 
The only thing I know is true here is that, or not know is true, but I believe firmly, is that something's going to happen with Tarasenko because they wouldn't leave him just unprotected for, you know, no reason. Like, I, I can't believe that they would no, just do that. Yeah, regardless of uh, regardless of him wanting out, all that, like, he's got some value. Like, the Flyers just got a number one defenseman for a guy who missed a whole season with a migraine disorder and a defenseman who doesn't know where the net is. Like... I, they got a pick for Eric Gustafson. <laughs> well, did they? It was a future seventh, and they had to cover half his salary. I think, I mean, actually, they lost money something. on that deal. But that's something. Yeah, it, is, it is, in fact, something. They didn't get nothing. But, uh, yeah, like, he's got some value. You can't just give up Tarasenko for nothing. There has to be something going on, and it really does seem like the Flyers are in on him from this report. I love that they're taking chances again. Like, they might not work out. We talked last week about how we will forgive them if acquiring Tarasenko doesn't work out. Because, like, shit, man, you went for it. We've been begging you for a fucking sniper for a decade. You got us one. Didn't work, didn't work. Okay, I will forgive that one. Um, I'm, I'm just happy things are happening again. I'm just—I I was talking to one of my friends about this yesterday— I'm really happy as someone who covers the team. Like, I've been saying for the last three months, the Flyers are going to do shit. Yeah. And it, and, it, and and that was not, like, uninformed speculation. That was based on what I was hearing from people in the Flyers organization. That like, don't worry, we're going to do shit. But it's extremely relieving that they're actually doing shit. So I don't have people yelling at me for the next month. You told me the Flyers are going to do shit and they didn't do anything. And Thank like- God. Thank God you're doing stuff. And, like, so far, you know, this report, the Ellis trade, it's good shit. Like yeah, this isn't crazy Paul yeah, Holmgren shit. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, and, you know, leave my boy Paul out of this. Paul did a lot of good before he did a lot of bad. <laughs> he did a it's lot true. of bad at the end, though. Yeah, you know, it, it's, sometimes sometimes things go haywire and, you know, the avalanche comes down. Uh, but I, I'm just real happy about this. Something else I'm kind of happy about. Same uh, same source here, Ristolainen, the Flyers are also in on him, because obviously they are. Um, listen, I know what people think about him, and I agree, it's he's not very good. But if, he, if you give him Robert Haig's 15 minutes a night, and he just fucks people up, you kind of need a little bit of that. A little tiny bit. I would be fine. With Rasmus Ristolainen as a third pair defenseman, be absolutely fine with it. I think he would be fine in that role. I do not think any team that trades for Rasmus Ristolainen is going to use him as a, a third pair defenseman. That's nor the, nor that's do the... I think it's possible. Like I believe his cap hits five point four million, so the, the cheapest you could get him for this year is two point seven, which is, yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of okay for like a number five, but it's a little high. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm. Long time Rasmus Ristolainen skeptic. I do not think he's a very good defenseman. If you're using him on the third pair, I'm fine with it. But I think if the Flyers were trading for him, they would probably be trading for him to use him with Travis Sanheim on the second pair. And then it's like, man, I really hope Travis Sanheim is as good as I think he is because he's going to have to lug Rasmus Ristolainen around the goddamn ice. If they get Rasmus Ristolainen, I just have one request. Play him one game with Samuel Moran against the Caps... Tom Wilson problem solved. Yeah. Let the fucking bodies hit the floor. That's so, all I'm asking so, for. So, so to go back to Ristolainen, one thing I will say, and this is something that I heard last month. Bye, Steph. Steph has to run. 
Um, or maybe it was earlier this month. It, it was it was a few weeks ago. I had heard that there there was interest in Ristolainen, and, and one thing that they had one thing that they had talked about was the possibility. And I, I I think this ship has sailed. I don't think this is going to happen. But I had heard the possibility that they had talked about the idea of getting Eichel and Ristolainen in the same deal, which would have been wild. I mean, that like that like that. That possibility had been thrown out there between Buffalo and Philly. I don't think Philly is like in the front running spot for Eichel anymore, if they ever were. But I do believe that concept was thrown out there, which leads me to believe, especially with these reports, that there is legitimate interest in Rasmus Line as a piece that they could possibly acquire. I, I hope they don't get him because I don't think he's a very good hockey player, but I, I don't think that's bullshit. I, I think there is viable interest in him. I mean, I w- I'm willing to give them the, you know, if this Tarasenko stuff is true, they already got Ryan Ellis, I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they do actually look at him and go, no, his third pair fucking people up, he's fine. It's just like, when you ask him to play 22 minutes, okay, he's not very good. But yeah, everyone knows what Rasmus Ristolainen is. I think he brings an element they need, uh, but... You know, in I, a let, me, role. let me put it this way: I would much rather them. Who, I would much rather them go out and sign David Savard, who I think brings that same element okay. and is a better and is a better hockey player. Like I'm, I'm not saying that like that physicality, that meanness, isn't something the Flyers need. Yeah, I he think just it would. Stinks. I think it would really help them to get a guy like that. I just want him to also be a guy who isn't one of the worst advanced stat defensemen in hockey. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I love that when Steph signed out, it said Steve Jaco is now the host. I was like, That's son me. of a bitch. <laughs> all right gang let's go power. <laughs> yeah. nobody wants that nobody knows uh, that well all. i am going to make since steph isn't here i think i have the authority to make an executive decision so our draft party is this friday for the nhl entry draft that is still happening it's at bullies at xfinity come it's going to be fucking awesome however i would like to make the executive decision to propose a name slash theme change Uh, While, yes, the draft will be on the television, it is the NHL entry draft, it's happening, it'll be on, Um, this is no longer a draft party. This is now a welcome to Philadelphia Ryan Ellis, and whoever else, party. That's what we're calling it. And, of course, the guest of honor, Mr. Mr. Ellis, if you would like to attend, beers are on me, kid. (laughs) I gotcha. Uh, let's just get it, it giant is... red beards for everybody to hand out at the door, and let's, let's do it up. I this guess is I, now... I shouldn't have shaved off my beard. You so really, I... really, you're fucking up here, Charlie. Should have uh, all, all are invited to the draft party, which is now redubbed the Welcome to Philadelphia Mr. Ellis Party. All right, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio for just today. We're going to have all sorts of content. Steve already put out a fly perbole. Uh, we're going to be doing our regular show on Thursday. There might be some other stuff along the way. All Ryan Ellis, uh, you know, expansion draft, all this shit that they're in on that's going to happen, might happen, hasn't happened yet. We're going to get to all of it this week. So please tune in, hit that subscribe button, and uh, you'll get all of it for free. It's a pretty good deal, I think. All right, so my name is Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Steve, for Steph, uh, Kelly will be back at some point. Have a great week, everybody.